Hello, this is Jay Geyer, and I want to welcome everyone. You know, every, it just comes around every 30 days. You know, we got to talk about some way to grow the practice. And the good news is that people all over the country, really all over the world, uh, got a client particularly I was thinking about in Ireland and just, you know, doubling up his practice, growing, you know, moving into a new building, just uh, really some fantastic things going on. And then in the same world, you got people closing the doors. So want you to know that the state of what is happening is that in, in the same town, you'll have a person who says, I'm going to just close the doors and shut it. And another person is thriving and doing extremely well and having an enormous amount of fun. And that is the world of business, you know. So I just want you to know that's what's happening out there. And everybody who's putting forth the appropriate effort, doing the right thing consistently, is moving forward. Everybody who is consistently doing the wrong thing, thinking the wrong way, uh, behaving the wrong way, being mastered by money, all of those people out there in the world are having a tough time. And so that's kind of the state of the union. So hopefully at some point you're going to either you're on the right side of that coin, you're progressing on to the right side. Uh, and if you're one of the ones listening to this today and you're saying, man, things suck or I wish they were better or whatever it is, I want you to know and I'll encourage you to realize that if you would personally step up your engagement and deal with the realities of your situation, that you could be just maybe months or just a few short years away from forgetting that this was ever your condition. So I will, I will leave you with that and we'll go to work. So I'm going to bring you a little bit of uh, an update from the battlefield, right? The update from what is happening. And so to remind you all that one of my goals, if you've never heard this, is to bring 1,000 doctors to a personal net income of $1 million. And that is a lifetime goal for me. And I'm in the, I'm several years into this pursuit. And as I continue down the path of attempting to help people, and, and, and if you've never heard that before, that's, that's actually what I do. So I'm in the business of trying to create 1,000 doctors who, who net a million dollars a year. And then behind that, we have an impact diagram, and each of those doctors eventually will have an impact diagram. And there'll be people who are making impact both in their family and with their staff and with their patients and in their community and really becoming the kind of the ideal people, if you would. You know, they're like the they're the good the good guys and the good gals, you know. And so that's kind of the mission, right? And we're not trying to, you know, we're not trying to, uh, if you're interested in uh, trying to manipulate people, trying to, to steal, trying to, you know, just be selfish. I, I, I'm probably not your person, you know, truthfully. And that's, so I just want everyone to understand that's the mission. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring you a little update from that battlefield. And when I say it's a battlefield, I mean, boy, is it a battlefield? I mean, you would be amazed at some of the stuff that I see. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to continue to work and work and work and work. And so I'm going to take people who will go from making, you know, uh, completely falsifying their tax returns and showing very little profit in the business. And I'm going to teach them that, you know, so I teach them to to delineate between personal and professional and to get that cleaned up. And so all of a sudden now, okay, the doctor's making some money and they go up to 253 and then they begin to sabotage themselves or they get up to half a million and they sabotage themselves. And, and I'm just in the business of this, right? So every day I'm just a student of this and I'm talking to doctors, we're looking at the situation. And so, you know, 
And it has just been the funnest learning experience ever for me to, to pursue this endeavor of, of uh, trying to help that many people make that amount of money. And remember, one of my long-term goals is that when I get a 1,000 people making a million dollars a year, I want them each to give a little portion of that away, which would be great. And then we would be able to uh, have a really great impact on, on people, right? And so that's kind of what we're doing. So let's talk about some of the things that we're seeing. And I'm going to share with you some of these really fantastic observations from this battlefield. And really, basically, I'm going to share with you what I see people tripping people up, right? So these are some of the common errors. I'm going to go through these pretty quickly because I'm just in that kind of a mood today, right? We're just going to knock this off. And, and, you know, know, some of these things you're going to say, oh, Jay, that's not me, you know. And then others you're going to say, Jay, that's my friend and whatever. But but I want you to kind of think about each of these. And hopefully this will help you and you'll get some really tremendous lessons. So let's dive in. So the first one I'm going to talk about today is we're going to talk about doctors' ability to make decisions. And decisions are just a big, big deal. And so I'm going to maybe ask you to get a little something to write with because I tend to do that. And I'm sorry if you're driving down the road. Maybe you'll have to make a mental picture. But what I want you to do is I want you to take a pen and I want you to kind of create, you know, because if you write out what I tell you, maybe you'll have the template, okay? And so the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about how doctors make decisions. And so one of the amazing things that occurs, okay, and really this is human beings and you'll find this with everybody, but it's really, really awesome, okay? So what I'm going to do is I'm going to draw kind of like a little cloud and in the cloud I'm going to write problem, okay? So what we what we know about everyone is that everybody has problems. I mean, everybody has problems. You have problems, okay? And so, but what's so fascinating to me, and I'm going to teach you a really fantastic technique today, and I hope you will take this seriously, okay? So what happens is, you have a problem, and like if you're mo- like most people, when you have a problem, there's some interesting things that you do. And so the first thing that you do is you think about your problem. So you want to write the word "think" about your problem, right? And then if you have a, a problem, you know the other thing that's amazing about problems is if you have a problem, you know what's so funny is you actually tell other people, right? So a lot of people when they have a problem, boy, they think about that sucker and they tell somebody else, right? Does this sound familiar? So let's think about what you've what you've been thinking about, what you've been telling everybody everybody, right? And in a weird way, and I don't know how to say this correctly, it might be people water the problem or they fertilize the problem, okay? So every time you think about something or talk about it, what you have to realize you're actually doing is you're you're sprinkling water on it or putting fertilizer on it, and you're making it grow bigger and bigger and bigger. And so the other thing that we have is we have an element of time. So I want you to write down time, okay? So what you got to remember is, and so there's, there's an amount of time that people maintain problems. And so if you increase the amount of time, you increase the number of times you tell, you increase the number of times you think about, you literally are fertilizing this problem. And what's so, so really fascinating is how I'm going to teach you a really important strategy that I have been using for years. And I just, I just, uh, you know, on the battlefield some days I forget that everyone doesn't do everything the same way. So, so again, you've, you've got this problem and now you've, you know, you've, you've, you've had it for a period of time. And then eventually what occurs is that problem sort of calcifies to you, right? So in other words, the problem sort of becomes who you are. So you, I actually have doctors come up to me and they introduce themselves. And like a part of the introduction is their problem. I've never seen anything so crazy. 
crazy. It's almost like it's like they have a big growth on their face, right? And it's like they, they, they just tell me, they say, here's who I am, but here's really who I am. And they, they describe their problem. They're all excited, you know, and it's like, and so I can tell they've had this condition for a bit of time and they're nerd, they're even, they're just, they're, they actually want me to go, you know what? You are so right. That is so real. And so they want me to help make it bigger, but I never do that, right? I just don't ever do that because it's so, it's so not true. So I know you would never do this, right? You would never think about your problem. You'd never talk about your problem. You'd sure never spread the word about it, right? You'd sure never build your, make decisions about it. See, but I know you had a friend who would, right? And then you would certainly never ha let it happen for long periods of time, right? Like you would never maintain the same problem for more than a year, right? I, I know none of you would actually do that, but, but there are actually other people who do this. And so this is why I want to tell you this. So you might have a family member or you might have a colleague or somebody and, and you could help them, you could teach them this strategy and that would help them, right? You might have an associate or you might have a staff member who works for you. It's like, you don't have any staff members that had the same problem ever since you hired them, do you? Okay. So let's say that you did. Now what the question is, Jay, what, what you asked me, what do you ask me the question? What are you talking about? What do you do with this? Okay. So here's what I want you to remember. You have to take problems and you have to convert them into questions, okay? So for instance, uh, I'm going to be teaching at our, uh, our university um, this month. And one of the things that I'm going to teach staff members there how, what to do, particularly leaders, is I'm going to teach them the art of this. And so I'm going to teach them when a doctor continues to bring up a problem, I'm going to teach them to ask him a question or her a question that is going to completely diffuse that problem, okay? And so what I do and what I want you to do or to tell your friend to do is instead of to talk about their problem, I want them to realize every time they talk about it, they amplify it, okay? They make it bigger. They harden it. And many people just have suitcases. You know, they, they walk in with a freaking a suitcase every time you meet them, you know. And so, but if, but it's all you'd have to do is convert it into a question. So let's say that a person had a problem and they said, so the, the, they always walked around and they said, I can't afford this. I can't afford this. I can't afford this. I can't afford this, right? Well, I mean, it's all you'd have to do is flip around the question, right? And so you'd say, how could I afford that, right? And so literally, if you ask your brain a different question, you begin to build up the solution, not the problem, right? So if somebody says, I can't get good staff people, but then they would ask themselves the question, how could I master getting the best people? Hmm. So you would go, then you, all of a sudden you would see something, right? Like I'd send you a piece of information that says, come to this team building event. And you'd actually, instead of ignoring it, you would actually go, oh, why don't I take one day since I waste so many days, get my butt on a plane, sit there for a day, because I've never done it. And, but however, I have been, while Jay's teaching a seminar to a lot of people, I'm at home just creating more evidence of my problem, right? So in other words, I'm at home just fortifying the problem. And so you got to stop fortifying your problems and you got to start realizing you have to ask yourself new questions. You know, go find, why, what's the difference between the most successful doctor in town and you, right? I don't know. Some of you may be that person. So you, you clearly can see that, but you have to, so quit building up your problems, begin converting them all into questions, questions. Okay. Okay, you got a bad marriage, <clears throat> ask yourself a question. Got a bad relationship with your kids, ask yourself a question. What do the people with great relationships with their kids do with them? Okay, so you just ask that question and then you spend all your time thinking about that and then you attract that into your life. See, it's just so interesting. And with the emergence of Google and all these various new technologies, I mean, sometimes I just, I can just find a new resource very, very easily, which is very exciting. And sometimes, by the way, I'm giving you solutions 
And what you're doing is you're resisting the solutions because you're, so, again, busy fortifying the problem, okay? So, again, that, that is, we're gonna, that's number one, decision-making template. And then when we ask ourselves the question, again, we begin to find, we attract different things into our life. And it is amazing how quick this works. This will work almost instantaneously, by the way. And what you will find is that the less time you spend thinking about your problems and the more time you spend thinking about the answer to the appropriate question, all of a sudden the problems tend to dissipate or to go away or to become reduced. So if it was like a big growth on your face, that sucker would just shrink, right? And so I want you to think about that decision-making template, and I would love to see you get to work on that and uh, move forward. Okay, number two. And and uh, number two is, oh, oof, this is big, 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 big. So, you know, every one of you has a history. And so in your history lies some very, very, very interesting information. And so if we think about it this way, I want you to realize that today you're in the present, okay? So today you, you sit, you drive, you're doing whatever in the present. And so you're in what is happening right at this moment. So today I'm just in this one particular moment and I got to do some stuff after this and I did some stuff before that. And then if I go back in history, I have a number of years of history, okay? And so I could go back and there's just many, many things that have occurred in that history. And so we all have a history, but the question that you must ponder today is this, is what the heck, how are you using your history today? So, because you all have a history, right? And, and, and the only thing that is certain is your history. Everything from today forward is unknown. The only thing that is in the record books, the only thing that is just rock solid, the only thing that is certain for you is your history. And so what I find is way, 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 way too many people don't know how to use history. And so what history is designed to do is not for you to carry mistakes forward. See, like I've never heard a person say, okay, listen, here's a, here's a strategy for life. What you're going to do, okay, you're going to go and you're going to screw something up. And we all do, by the way. I mean, and I don't mean that offensively to anybody. We all have screwed things up. I go back in my history. I mean, I've screwed so many things up. It's ridiculous. And so, but what I don't do is I don't like today in the present, I'm not referring back to my screw up and then carrying it forward and doing it again. Instead, I've got a super converter, right? And so the converter takes the, the mistakes of the past and it converts them into an enormous amount of energy and knowledge and strength. And then I go into the present kind of burning off of those mistakes. But what, what a lot of people do is they just carry them forward. And so every decision that is made in the present is made through that by thinking about what occurred negatively in the past. And this is a vicious, vicious cycle, right? And you gotta break this, you have got to break this. You, it, you know, as I tell people, I was like, hey, I mean, see, every mistake you make has a dollar value to you if you run it through this converter. I mean, it's just so precious. Like, so every time someone, I make a mistake, I'm just so pumped up because truthfully what I know is I'm probably never gonna make that mistake again. And I certainly won't make it on that scale. I, as a matter of fact, I had a conversation with someone today and it was, you know, I was like, oh, 
I just said to the person, well, I'll, he said, did you do this? I said, yep. And it was had to do with some money I invested in something. And I was like, well, I will never do it again, right? Because I lost every bit of it. And it was just a bad investment, you know? And so the good news is, I mean, it was not, you know, wasn't uh, enough that I would, you know, let's just say it was not a little, but it was enough, right, to know I will never do that again. And so, you know, it's about a $100,000 lesson. So I learned 100,000, actually it was 120, if you must know. And so I learned 120, I will never see my 120 again, but I learned a lesson. And I, you know what, maybe over time, that'll be worth millions of dollars to me over time, but, or, you know what I could do? <gasps> wow, I could be super smart and just say, somebody got me and I'm never doing this again. I'm never going to invest again. I'm never going to invest again. See how that's just dumb. I mean, but that's the difference. So I lost 120 grand in a bad investment and I carry that forward and I make the decision. I'm never investing with anybody again because you know what happened one time somebody, I lost $120,000. And so every time, I mean, I'm so sick of everything. Like I'm never going to look at anything. I'm never doing it. See, see, that would be an example. Now, you may not be as extreme, right? But suddenly that's what you're saying. So, for instance, I have doctors who are going, well, I'm not going to do incentives because I did them one time. And I'm certainly not going to market my practice because one time I did and it didn't work. I mean, think about it, right? And actually what, you, actually what they say is, they actually say, I've done everything I could, which is total crap, but whatever. So what person are you? If I was watching you today and I was watching you make every decision that you were making and I was just, you know, going, whoa, whoa, whoa. And, and just know you're one or the other. Are you fueling off the past, right? Are you just, are you, you got some kind of supercharged turbo capacity of to make decisions based on all your previous mistakes and knowing how to do it better? Or are you just fronting with those mistakes, right? Or are you just closing doors every day because you made mistakes in the past? And what I have found is that people tend to be one or the other. And I just want you to know that the majority of people do it the wrong way. And I'm even talking about, I got clients who are making progress. I mean, some of you will be listening to this and you're actually doing great, but you're still doing this, which is what's amazing to me. So why don't you choose today to begin to utilize your history in the way it was supposed to be used, which is fuel kind of for the future, right? And not to repeat mistakes. And yeah, you know, I say, okay, I'm going to go back in it and I'm going to do it again, but I'm going to do it under different circumstances. I'm going to do it under different conditions. I'm doing it with the, the knowledge of the mistake I made. That's what, you know, wisdom is everything, right? So, okay. All right. So that was number two. Let's move on. Like I said, we're going to try to get through these fairly quick. Number, number three, number three. Basically, what we're discovering is a fascination with uh, people wanting to buy solutions that would fix their staff, right? And I think we talked about this in the last recording, but I'm going to talk about it again because you, you need to hear it again. So if you draw three circles next to each other and you put yourself in one, you put your staff in one, and you put your patient in the other, okay? The issue that we have is that people on the forefront of this battle, okay? You know, I'm trying to think about all great movies. What are the greatest, uh, what are the greatest shields that have ever been created, right? So I, I got to think like in, and I'm not, I'm not a real sci-fi guy, so I, but I bet some of you know. And so like there was these like in, 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 um, 
like in Star Trek or whatever, there was like a galaxy, right? And so everyone's buzzing around, I guess, and the galaxy or, you know, and so, but it's like this bubble, right? And so if you think about this, or like a force field, right? Or <laughs> like force field, right? I'm trying to think about it. I feel like there was a movie at some point. There was a, like a person you could you know, put a force field around yourself, right? And so what I want you to think about is this, is that what we see is that um, as, I don't know, I don't want to call this all middle-aged because we're not all middle-aged, but either as you get up there in years, you begin to start to you drop your force field a little bit. And actually, some young people do this too, but it's, it's what we call a force field of accountability. And one of the great universal truths is that the most successful people in any area are the people that have the greatest level of discipline. And the greatest level of discipline is generated by, right, the greatest level of accountability. And so in all areas of life, in all people, you will find the people that succeed the most are the most disciplined, okay? And so what I just want to remind you of is this, is that at the end of the day, as an owner of a business, that there is no accountability for you and that you live in a world with no force field. And most grown men and women left to their own devices without some kind of a magnetic you know, force field of accountability tend to make a lot of mistakes. And so, yes, you can buy solutions for your staff. We have many, many solutions that you can buy. You can buy on-site trainings. You can buy uh, participation in the university. There are so many amazing things that you can do. But at the end of the day, I just want to remind you of this, that the most important one and the one that needs to go with those investments is an investment in accountability for yourself. And we're not going to be your total comprehensive uh, accountability because you want to create some other ones, but you have to develop accountability. You know, you have to develop accountability with your spouse, accountability with your kids, accountability in your business. And so I want you to know that the most successful doctors have applied their own accountability to themselves. And that means that they're in some kind of a coaching relationship. They're in some kind of a mentoring relationship. They're in a group with people that they want to become like and that they do not isolate themselves. And when we find, when I find the saddest, most desperate, most, uh, I mean, it's just, it's, it's bad. I mean, you know, when you find a person who's just kind of down, I typically find a person in isolation and a person with no personal accountability. And remember, when you don't have personal accountability, okay, that means you cannot give it to your staff, and that means your staff will never be able to give it to the patients. And so I want you to get this template Okay, And so here's what we've learned. If we get accountability to the doctor, and that means the doctor says, I'm going to submit myself to a coaching program. I'm going to submit myself to coming a couple of times a year and sitting in a room with people and writing down goals and committing to what I'm going to do for my own betterment, right, mind you. And I'm going to commit to providing accountability to my staff. You will find a doctor in an office that is providing a high level of service structured, well-behaved patients, really exciting stuff. But when you find a doctor who has chosen to say, I am going to live and do this by myself because I'm a lone ranger. I'm never going to leave my house. I'm never going to leave my office. I'm never going to leave my, my, my home, right? 
and I'm going to work in isolation. You will find a person who is very typically controlled by their team. They don't have a lot of control of their team. And you'll find there's chaos at the patient level. That means that they can't control the patient. That means the patients come when they want to come. It means they have high no-shows. means that, you know, they can't figure out why they can't fill the schedule, right? And, and it all goes back to personal accountability, all right? Okay, let's move on. So you have to make a move, right? And so, you know, for most of you, right, I mean, I, I you know, the majority of my clients are not with us in a coaching relationship. And so if you want coaching, all you got to do is call my office and say, look, you know, I want to be in platinum and they'll see if we can find a spot for you. And you just begin a journey, you know, and, and it's an amazing journey and, and, and it's a turnaround for most people, right? But it's not about, it's about accountability, okay? And if you've done it in the past and you weren't ready, that's probably why it didn't work with someone else, right? But if you're ready, we'd love to have you be there. Like Jay said, the most successful people in any business are those with the greatest level of discipline. And that discipline is generated by having a great level of accountability. If you want Jay and his team to help hold you accountable to practice growth, give us a call today at 770-518-7575. Okay, number five. I think this is number five. Number five. Number five. So number five is leadership. And God, you know, I used to hate that word. People used to say that word to me, and I was just like, what is that? Okay. But I've learned in the battlefield that we are trying to make a thousand doctors earn a million dollars that it turns out I finally understand what this means. I finally understand that if you're going to have a great business, okay, if you're going to have a business that has impact in the community, has a profit margin, and delivers an amazing service, there is going to have to be a leader. And that no business thrives without a leader. And leaders come in lots of different shapes, sizes, colors, whatever. And, and truthfully, not everybody is a natural leader, okay? And so what we've learned is that many of our clients, they just, man, they just don't want to, you know, they just kind of don't want to do the leadership thing. They sort of just want to, you know, retreat. And I, I'm just here to tell you, okay, in no uncertain terms, the worst decision you'll ever make is to retreat from leadership. And I mean, the cost is staggering. And the greatest payoff that you could ever have in your life is when you step into the role of leadership. And I'm going to tell you, when you step into it and you finally say, okay, Jay, I'm ready. I'm going to be a leader. Look, you are going to do some really horrible stuff, okay? We all have. You're not going to get it right out of the gate. You're not going to be perfect. But boy, when you just commit and say, you know what? You just finally say, I've got to be the leader. And you've got to fake it a little bit sometimes. And you've got to challenge yourself and push yourself. And you've got to risk yourself emotionally. But when you, the greatest progression that I see you guys and gals make is when you finally realize, I've seen so many of you just go, all right, I'm a leader. And it was like, it took me to tell you, okay, and I'm just like giving you today, right? I'm like putting the ointment of leadership on your head today and telling you, go forth, you know? And, and I mean that in the, in the most sincere, loving way. Look, it, no, nobody else is going to tell you to do it. I'm telling you today, begin to start to see, just, just act like a leader. And you know what's so crazy about things is when you act like something, 
It turns out that very quickly everyone thinks you're that thing. It turns out that after a little while, you actually just become that thing. It's one of the most amazing phenomenons ever. And so leadership is one of these deals where no one appoints you. Okay, nobody comes in and says, Dr. Johnson, today is your lucky day. We officially make you the leader. It is something that is self-appointed. So you are going to appoint yourself as the leader. You're going to begin to act like a leader. You're going to learn, okay? You're going to try to figure out what happens, right? And so I've had more fun teaching people how to be leaders. It's just, a, it's, it's, it's a blast. But they've got to realize that it's a lifelong pursuit. And so for those of you that are at the highest levels of membership with me, I just want to congratulate you on all your leadership efforts. But I also want to encourage you to allow your desire for perfection never to derail you, okay? Because if you think you're ever going to be a perfect leader, you already are setting yourself up for a failure, okay? Remember, as we push a business into uncharted territory, which is a place it's never been before, you are having to new, learn new leadership capabilities. And so at the highest level with 5X doctors, we are as we go forward into people that are multiple years into this process, we're just, that's the number one priority. And then you know what's so crazy is eventually you're going to actually have to learn how to make other leaders. And so those folks are making other leaders, which is really, and you know, we go through the process and we think we got one right and it turns out we don't, and but we'll eventually get it. And it is a lifetime commitment, but go ahead today and just make it, you know, just kind of dub yourself a leader and begin the process of, and see, remember what we said earlier, if you embrace failures, you know, it's so funny. So many of you are just afraid to fail. It's crazy. But if you think about this process of using history to move forward, I mean, failures are part of the fuel. And so go ahead and start, you know, let's get on and start generating some fuel, you know. Um, number six. Number six is, uh, you know, and I, I don't want you to, you know, sometimes I talk about this and I think you think, oh, Jay, you're just saying that because that's what you do. But it's not true. I just happen to do what's right. And what's right is to train staff. And so number six is this idea or this commitment or this lack of commitment, right? There are two groups of doctors today. And we eventually think they're going to make up the haves and the have-nots. And so one group, and I again, I want to congratulate some of you because, boy, you have partnered with us and you have given us an enormous amount of trust. And you've basically said, look, we're going to we're going to let you be an adjunct to our training. And, and, you know, for some of you, we do all of it. But, you know, and, and what you've, you've made a big commitment. It's a financial commitment. It's a time commitment. And, and so I want to congratulate you guys because it is the difference between the successful practices and the ones that are struggling is that the quantity of time and the commitment they have to training. And what's so great about training. So what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that add up the number of hours that you really train your staff. And a lot of you, you're going to find that it is little to none, right? I've shared with you that the Ritz-Carlton does 250 hours of training in the first year of a new hourly employee. I mean, we're so far from that in this industry. It's amazing. But yet we want to have great patient service. So I invite you, right, to finally figure out that this whole thing, right, running a great business is all about training. And the reason why I think you get tripped up with it is 
when you do training, you come in with false expectations. So when you do do a training, you actually think that it's going to stick forever. I've learned that's never true. You know, some of you think that, you know, I shouldn't have to repeat myself. Well, man, I'll tell you what, if you didn't have to repeat yourself, you'd be some kind of a magician. I mean, I sometimes have to say the same thing a hundred times until, you know, and people even say, well, well, why don't you, why, why did you say that again? I was like, because you don't do it. <laughs> that's why. The minute you start doing everything I tell you, I'll start telling you some new things, right? And and I believe that that is what the smart trainers do, right? That is what the people who, uh, so I want you to know that I know there's things in your office today that you're not happy about. As a matter of fact, I know that's where most of your attention is, okay? And I know that you told people already that they were supposed to do it a different way and they haven't done it. But I want to kind of liberate you to say, hey, to switch the way you look at it, okay? And simply to say, I'm going to just keep going until I win this battle, right? I'm not going to give up. And you've got to use us or somebody as an adjunct, okay? So what I mean by that, for instance, for all of you that are using our university, you know, one of the observations that I had was I realized that some of you simply are putting people on airplanes and sending them to us and you're not doing anything to prepare them and you're not doing anything to have a conversation with them afterwards. And I want to I want to encourage all of you to stop that immediately. And I want to encourage you to take a little bit of time and to realize that we can't be, I mean, if you could do that, if you could put a person on a plane, have them show up and then just go back and they just go back and work a miracle, I would need to charge you like 10 times as much money because that would literally make me a miracle worker. I'm not a miracle worker. Okay. I'm just a magician. All right. That's a lowly magician. And that means that I can, I got some magic tricks, right? But here's what I need. And the magic trick is that you and I are in partnership. So the magic trick is that when you send somebody, you actually take a minute and tell them, listen, I'm sending you there and you're to come back with two things. You say this in a nice way that you're going to put back in place. And when you get back, I'm going to meet with you and you're going to tell me about those two things. Okay. And so now that person comes and they got, they got responsibilities and they listen and they go, okay, good. I'm going to implement this and this. And then they come back home and you say, all right, what are you going to do? And they say, here's what I'd like to do. And you say, well, I don't know. How about, how about what's the other thing? Oh, that sounds good to go do that. And then you have to support and encourage and to help them train and you have to put them in place. And see, that's, that's called a partnership, right? That's what has to happen. And so many, many of you, right, are having to just learn the process of how do we get people to do things. And unfortunately, people aren't like widgets. So for a lot of you that are very structured and very disciplined, you just can't understand why people won't do what you tell them to do. And there's tools to figure that out. But I would encourage you just to keep realizing that continued staff training forever is the correct solution. And most of you are grossly undertraining your people, okay? Grossly undertraining your people. So if you're interested in solutions, feel free to reach out to us on that. Number seven. And I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you number seven, and I'm going to look at my notes right here, and I'm going to see. You know what? Uh, I'm not. I don't even know if I'm going to. I don't even know if I'm going to tell you these last. Yeah, maybe I will. See if we have time. All right. So number seven. Um, number seven is a lack of understanding about what it means to have a financial function in the office. And so one of the things that's really crazy is that at our battleground to get people to make a million dollars, one of the things that I'm learning is that they are very financially immature. There's enormous amounts of commingling of funds between personal and professional. There's an enormous misunderstanding of depreciation. There's an, an enormous misunderstanding of the consequence of suppressing income on your tax return. 
And it's really just basically not separating your personal and your financial. And so the, the, the worst of the worst, right? And then when they go to try to get a loan, they can't figure out why they can't get a loan. Well, they've been showing no income in the practice or basically cheating. And, you know, of course, their accountant thinks it's genius. But look, you got you to you gotta understand your mission is not to not pay any tax. Your mission is to make a good living. And if you make a good living, you're going to pay some taxes. And who cares, right? That's what you're supposed to do. But, you, but we need to have a financial function in the office. And so what happens is if you add one more million dollars to collections and there was no financial office in place or no financial process or financial structure that separates your personal and your professional stuff, you will find a bigger mess at the end of a period of time. And I'm just going to tell you right now, it's probably one of the biggest battlegrounds that I'm fighting, right? And I mean, it's just like something that we're doing. And so some of you, I mean, the maturity level is just unbelievable. You've got to have a P&L. You've got to have a balance sheet. And you've got to keep your personal stuff out of the corporation. Now, I don't mind you buying a lunch or something right now, but you got to clean this up. And you want to be able to show, right, because the big game in life the big appreciation is increasing the value of stock that you own in your company. And most of you are being pretty bad stewards of that particular area, okay? Um, let's see. I tell you what, I'm going to do one more, and then we're going to bring this thing to a close. So we'll call this one eight, I guess, right? So maybe I can do two. Okay, eight. So eight is in this battleground that we're finding. We're finding, I'm going to call it... Um, Okay, so remember, I'm trying to give you the what you should do and what you shouldn't do, okay? So what I was saying in the previous one is uh, you got to create a financial office. You got to create a financial function. You got to create financial accountability, and, and a lot of you don't have it. What I'm saying here is that this one we call a lack of purpose. And so what we find is grown men and women working each and every day, running a team, paying a payroll, but they don't have a purpose. And, 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 and the only purpose they have is to pay the bills, and they're not even really doing that particularly well, right? So there's no purpose, okay? So you have to have, right, a purpose-filled practice. You have to have a purpose-filled life. And when you take that out, okay, you, you create something that's really horrible. You create – what people are funny, they don't realize when you don't have a purpose, you're self-centered, <laughs> okay? It's like when you don't have a purpose beyond yourself, you become completely narcissistic. And they actually begin – see, narcissists lie to themselves about their, their effectiveness, right? They act like they're being effective, you know, like I'm having a big impact, right? And you're not having any impact, right? Because you're totally focused on paying your own bills. And so one of the things that we're just having so fun, much fun with in the high end of our clients is basically that each client is making a diagram. And the diagram is what's important to them combined with what they can reasonably tie into the practice. And it's one of the greatest things. I mean, I just love, love, love doing this. And, and basically what it says is you're giving you, free, you're giving you the freedom to develop, right? See, I have a great passion. Like I love, I don't know why, but I think I have some kind of a God-given gift when it comes to my ability to understand. And, and I've spent an enormous amount of time about money. So I teach people a lot about money because it is the biggest problem in people's lives. So I love to teach people about money, right? And so that's a purpose for me, right? So you think about it, what's my main purpose? Well, it's to get a thousand people to make a million bucks and then hopefully give away 10%, which would be a hundred million dollars a year. I mean, that's a purpose, right? And so I put up with 
an enormous amount of crap because of that. I tolerate people sometimes. I, I observe. I look at things in a different way. I create new products and new services and experiences in order to accomplish that goal. But it's a purpose, right? And there'll be a thousand people who, who are the benefactors. And then there'll be 20 staff per thousand. And that's a number. And then there'll be a family who's impacted. So I've, I've done all my numbers, man. I can see the math, right? But understand that what gets me up every day is not coming to work and trying to make a living. What gets me up every day is coming to work and trying to fulfill that purpose. And so I would encourage you, right? You may have a passion and I want you to figure out a way to fuel that passion with the profits of your business and to connect the two and to tell people about it. And, and you know, it's okay. They actually love it, man. People do not like people that don't have purposes. I mean, well, let me rephrase it. They don't dislike you, but they like people with purposes better. I've figured this out. I mean, it is a more attractive quality to have a purpose than not to have a purpose. And then what you've got to do is you've got to develop a passion for whatever that purpose is. I mean, you've got to basically say, hey, I mean, Imagine, and I'm not trying to just talk about mine, but I mean, look, talk about an uphill battle. I mean, I, I, my worst enemy in my battle is the people who pay me to do this for them. It's insane. They're literally, and they're doing battle with themselves between their ears on a nonstop basis, right? And so, I mean, you just think about it and you go, why do I do this? Well, I do it because when, it get, when we get done, it's just going to be such an amazing feat. You know, it's going to be awesome. And then when I do get done, I'm going to remind everybody who quit that we did it. <laughs> That's going to even be more fun because I have competitive nature. And so I'm just going to keep the list of all the people who quit. And then I'm going to show them the thousand people. And I'll be like, ha ha, I'm just kidding. It won't be just like that, but maybe a little, right? Because that to me, is going to be fun, you know? And the only difference between the people who make a million a year and the people who don't is they didn't quit. <laughs> That's going to be just awesome. I mean, so, and imagine, think about this. How many quitters am I going to have to have to get a thousand? I'm going to have to have like 10, I'll probably have to have 10,000 quitters to get a thousand, which is just amazing, right? So I have to tolerate a thousand people beginning a journey and quitting to get the 1,000 across the finish line before I, you know, before it's over for me. That's <laughs> crazy. Ugh, I'm getting more excited about it as I talk about it. Jeez. It's awesome. So, but who would do that? Who would put up with 10,000 people quitting to get, see, only a person with a, with, with a purpose. I mean, there's, there'd be no one else who could possibly tolerate that crap. I mean, it's like a superhuman state. And so the kind of stuff that you put up with, see, if you can get it attached to a purpose, you're going to just, you're going to be willing to tolerate stuff that nobody else is going to be willing to tolerate. So, you know, if you're a highly engaged client and you've taken this on, you've said, look, I'm having the best practice in my town, the biggest, the best, the best staff, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You're just sitting there fighting battles. But, but if you just keep coming back to your purpose, you go, ah, it's fine. This is all part of it. Right? Right? Give you so much more fun as you do it. Okay. So much, so much more fun as you do it. All right. I tell you what, I got one more. We'll talk about it. And then we're going to wrap up the day. So the next one is this. And it is actually a pretty big one. And so the, I'll, I'll end you on this one today. And so it, if I had to tell you the biggest, one of the biggest issues we have is, is, and I hate the word time management because you can't change the clock. But what we have is a fundamental flaw in the structure of your time, okay? And so if you're a doctor today who treats patients for four straight days every week and on the, on the fifth day you like, you fall down, you know, and you're exhausted, that structure is a horrible structure and that structure will never create true growth in a practice. And so I will tell you, 
the forefront of making money in this profession, okay, I am having to unwind horrible calendars. I'm having to unwind horrible time systems. And what you will find is all the people who have successfully achieved a million-dollar income have dramatically reduced the amount of time that they treat patients. And they have all inserted other people to do treatment, which is very easy to do. But that is a leap. That is a thing that has to happen. And, oh, I understand that you don't think you can do it. I understand that you you heard about a person who had a bad associate, and maybe you did, and you've just carrying that forward into all your decisions. I mean, oh, I've heard it all. And it's all wrong, okay? I've heard it all, and it is all wrong. I am telling you that the quality of life for a person who makes a million dollars a year who is maybe treating patients for two days a week and then getting other people to treat them is significantly greater than the quality of life of a person who's burning through four straight days of treating patients. And I get if you're young, you think, oh man, I can go five or six days, but eventually that catches up with you. And one of the great things we want to do, right, is you do not want to show up and be old and be tired. I mean, there's nothing worse than an old, tired person. I mean, there's nothing, it's just like, it's like my worst, to be honest, it's my only goal, right, in life is not to show up old and tired. I'm going to get old because I can't control the clock, but for God's sake, if I show up and I look tired, I'm going to be really, really unhappy with myself, right? So the goal is that you show up old, looking healthy and looking rested, and that's called longevity, And so you must look at the daily calendar and you have to fight through this thing. And you know what? I got some good news for you. Three years. God. I mean, and it's like, you know, some of you, you've been in the same crap hole process or just the same thing over and over 20 years. You want to give me three years to flip it, right? So somebody goes into platinum, I'll typically say, look, give me three years. And in three years, I'll completely, if you just pay attention at like 60%, You'll completely flip out of that, right? And you'll get freedom of time back. But you got to go through a pretty intense process if you, you know, right now. I mean, if you've been doing the same, it took, how many years did it take you to get this great four day work week schedule that kind of burns you out? Well, you took 25 years to develop it. You're not going to unwind it in a day. It's going to take a little bit of time, okay? So, it, but it is a major, major, major blockage. And on our, in our battleground, it's one I fight all the time. And I got to keep, I got to keep getting better and better about showing you templates about how to do this. But I want to encourage you that for those of you that are tired, okay, it's a time problem. Not that, not that you don't have enough time. It's that you're doing the wrong thing with your time. Okay. So listen, I, you know, I hope this helps you. And I, I really, these are, these are just things that I, every day I see, and I just want to get them down. I want to get them in writing. I want to get them to you because these are the things that'll make the biggest change. If, and, and I know that was a lot, right? In one sitting, it's just like, whew, hit with a brick wall. But look, I want you to know that every day I'm seeing people overcome these. Every day we're seeing stories of clients who have really, and sometimes it takes clients two years to get some or three years to get, but boy, they get it. It's just amazing. So with that being said, I'm going to let you go. Have a fantastic day. We look forward to seeing you either at one of our events. Please, this year, we don't have a lot of uh, events. If you haven't been, make sure you get to see me in person somewhere. If you haven't done that, make it a goal between now and the end of the year. And I'll look forward to uh, seeing you then. Take care. Have a fantastic day. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Private Practice Playbook this month. Jay will be back in a few weeks, but between now and then, get to work on turning these ideas into action. To recap episode 23, Here's a list of action items to help implement what you learned. One, start converting your problems into questions. 
How can I work less and make more? How can I improve my team's performance? Rather than thinking about your problems, practice asking these questions and spend more time thinking about the answers. Two, evaluate your five-year history and learn from it. Every mistake you made has a dollar value today. What's the biggest mistake you made and how can you take what you learned from it to fuel growth this year? Three, join a community of growth-minded business owners who will push you further and hold you accountable to the goals you set for your practice. Scheduling Institute's community includes thousands of private practitioners from all over the world with practices of all sizes. If you want to plug into our community, give us a call today at 770-518-7575 or visit bestteameverevent.com to learn about our networking and practice growth event coming up this December.